iHeartRadio and um, any other digital streaming platform we should be on. If not, please let me know. I can figure out what's going on and see if I can get um, Everybody Relax Podcast on there. Um, shout out to everybody who, when I made my um, public cry to uh, get more ratings on the Apple Podcast for the podcast, on the Apple Podcast app, that you guys went out and did it. And so my uh, 11 to 12 rating went to about 38. So shout out to everybody who participated in that. We appreciate you. And look, I got a, I got a new name now for, for everybody who supports the podcast. So call the Relax Crew. That's y'all new name. Everybody that supports the Everybody Relax social worker to look at some different ways of what you could do get potentially get into I think sometimes we we get the degree we get the license and then we you know we feel like we're just kind of obligated to get in a position and we get stuck and we feel stagnant and we don't know where else to go what else what life would look like um, in regards to this new position as a social worker and so um, the good thing is that social work is booming right now That is what the Social Work Career Series is all about. I think this will be this episode and one more episode after this one. Uh, and that will complete us out for the Social Work Career Series. I will do another episode to close us out for the season. And then we'll take a little break and we'll come on back next season. Is that cool for everybody? Man, we appreciate that. So, but first, before we get started on everything, let's have a little bit of church announcements Two weeks, matter of fact, hasn't it been? Well, no, y'all listen to that. For some church announcements, real quick. Um, of course, we talked about Nike, Nike in the situation. Um, go listen to the quick hitters episode about Nike scandal and this VP and her son, who was a reseller who was making six figures a month uh, off of sneakers and flipping and stuff. 
it's, it's crazy, bro. I, I, I really don't. I don't get it. That's what I'm saying. And it's a lot of privilege involved in that because we would have never been able to, as a black person, been able to, to pull that off. We would have ran through the ring. But that was allowed to happen. And I just, I just feel like it's just. It go, this goes to that episode. Let's just do that because that's where all my rants, that's all my thoughts come in with that, man. I, I just feel like Nike is Coming up, man, two new speak. I got two new speaking engagements coming up on the way. First one is at the Anti-Racism Virtual Conference on March 17th at 9 o'clock. I will be discussing racial, racial, racial equity, fear of the black man. I know how I'm going to get on that one. Um, shout out to Dion Hooper, um, you know, for inviting me and let me be part of our actual organization this, this conference to speak on this, this topic. Um, you can, if you want tickets, it's all virtual. You can go on global. SocialWelfareSummit.com, and also that same day, I'm also at 5:30 speaking at my old college, George Mason University, College of Health and Human Health and Human Services, to students about where I've been and what I've been doing um, since post grad and stuff like that. So, man, I'm, I'm excited for both of these actual speaking engagements, and and I'm hopefully hoping that this turns into something, you know, greater, because I've been wanting to do more speaking engagements, and get myself out there more, man, I just, just, it's been a passion of mine, and just as much as passion as podcasting, uh, third on the list of church announcements, OG Sneakerhead Chronicles Part 2, if you have not seen that, please go to my page on Instagram, which is retro underscore GT, or you can follow me on Twitter, retro underscore GT, to see all of the pictures that we talked about with the OG Sneakerhead Chronicles 2. What's been dope about this project is that I've been able to, like, tap people from different areas. So it's, like, not specific to just my area here in Virginia, but I've been able to tap folks from, you know, out, out you know, Charlotte, North Carolina, to my guys out in Michigan, you know what I'm saying, to out my man's out in um, Oregon. Those are my, my close homies, my podcast homies. Shout out to JB and Chris. Um, shout out to Alyssa out in um, Chicago. She's a teacher. Um, and my guy out in Charlotte, man, he just randomly saw us post and he wanted to be hop on, man. So he hopped on the um, Sneakerhead Chronicles, man. And so it's just been dope to see the um, reception of it and seeing how it's been like just everybody's jumping in on it and across the states and it's just to where we're at here in Virginia. So that's like kind of the pros, right, of virtual and telehealth. And, well, not telehealth, but virtual and just being cooped up in the house is that, you know, you can kind of expand across different states, different lines, and not be physically there, but still be virtually there. So that's been that's been cool, man. That's been real cool, man. So y'all make sure y'all go check that out. Follow the hashtag OGSHC. Two, and then you'll see all of the different um the different pictures that we're doing lastly what i'm currently um using that's been benefiting to my life i wanted to kind of shout out nissan um i bought a, I bought a pathfinder last year man um going into the truck dead life and um i, I desperately needed an oil change i was probably like three thousand miles over and I get kind of cringy when I, I get over a certain limit because I feel like my engine is going to blow up or something like that. I know doomsday thought pattern. Leave me alone. Um, but either way, man, um, I ended up getting the oil change yesterday, man. The service advisor was great, man. Um, worked out something where, you know, it was it was 
on the house pretty much because there was a mix up in profile, the car name, stuff like that. So man, you know, they they, they changed my oil and washed the truck, back in the truck. Everything worked out. I was like, oh man, this is a great Friday, man. And and I had was worried because it was close to the closing time and I had been trying to get an oil change for the past three weeks. I've been so busy and you know, COVID man has limited, you know, how you do your service appointments and so many, you know, service advisors are in there. It's it's been a nightmare. So man, I was thankful for that. So shout out to Nissan. Nissan, if you need, you know, sponsor or somebody to do your ads, I'm here. I've been driving your cars for probably the past five, ten years now. <laughs> I've transitioned from Honda to Nissan. So shout out to Nissan, man. Well, that's the end of church announcements. Y'all remember to always protect your chicken and guard your mentals. And until next time, we will see you. What's up, Relax Crew? It's your boy, Trey, facilitator of Everybody Relax Podcast. And I wanted to give you a brief public service announcement to the good folks at Uphold 31.8. They sponsor this podcast and they have a reason why this podcast actually happens. Listen, if you're looking for a speaker or facilitator for your agency or business, check out Uphold 318 and their consulting services. They offer workshops on stress and productivity management, racial and social justice conversations, and even can assist elected officials or state and federal agencies to create new policies around mental health or social issues. Make sure you go to www.uphold318.com backslash SWConsult. C-O-N-S-U-L-T to learn more information. And also to my brothers who are listening, if you need a safe space to vent and heal, talk about your mental health and what's going on, check out the monthly meetings for black men called The Goodfellas Project at www.uphold318.com backslash goodfellas. That's goodfellas with a Z. All right. Y'all take care and be easy, relaxed crew. I'll see y'all. All right, man, we're back. Jumping to the topic here. So, this conversation about my experience now talks about my time in nonprofit and also working at. Um, it depends on which area, which which state agent, state agency, how they word this, but area agency on aging. I'm not going to say what area, you know, which which one I was at, but in Virginia. They have a um, part of you like your adult protective services or your department of social services. You have a aging like division. It works with older adults, um, which is usually a senior level community. Most of these agencies in Virginia are nonprofit. The one I work for is actually was for profit, which they had a larger budget and they had a larger. Um, you know, a uh, large amount of services that they could offer to older adults. So that was a random internship and I'll explain why. Okay. And we'll talk about that. And then, you know, but the first one I did, I did a internship with, um, child abuse and neglect called, um, Raycap and, um, did that. And then I did another one with, uh, that was kind of in the middle to kind of compensate within that for one year internship that was kind of under the child abuse and neglect umbrella but it was more so geared towards after school program for kids and call and conflict resolution so let's start with the first internship in grad school um i was at a part-time program y'all remember that right and so 
part-time program for George Mason was one year, the first year you did all classes and no internship versus if you're in a traditional two-year program, you would do the internship that first year and you have your classes. So first year part-time program, I think you do like 12 credit hours first and second semester and then go into the summertime and then you come back the last two years, you do a full-time caseload, uh, 15 credit hours, uh, of which I'm going into my first year of internship hours that second year, which is, for me, I don't know what it is now, but for me, it was 16, 16 hours a week. So, I had never knew about this program um, at the time period where we was at. And um, so, pretty much what they did is, you know, when I go into this you know, they was like, well, where do you want to get a non-profit? Where do you want to get an internship at? I wanted to be closer to home because I was commuting to Fairfax. And I wanted to, you know, just have something that was either on the way on 95 or, you know, closer to my house where I can just, you know, shoot there and come on back home. So I ended up at this agency that did, dealt with child abuse and neglect. And um, what I did there was I was, you know, my eyes was open to, let me go back. You, you do interviews for different popular like different uh, agencies you want to work with and you can decide which one you want to and so I did a couple and I ended up with you know with this agency and so um, what was cool about it was that I worked right underneath the executive director they had a small budget so they did parenting classes um, parenting classes and also they did um, this amazing program which was part of the national fatherhood initiative where we would go into the jail system which is actually one of our local jails here in my hometown that i never knew anything about and we would do um thing called inside out dads program for incarcerated dads that will help them give them new life skills and parenting skills to make sure that they were adequately prepared for when they was released from you know, jail to, you know, being their, their children's lives or their family's lives, whatever you needed to in that aspect. And so I love that program. I was very fond of that program. I thought that was very beneficial. Um, the parenting support class was different. It was like, you know, in the case of where you have like a CPS investigation and the courts would, you know, make you do a parenting class or something like that. And so that was what this nonprofit offered. So we did that. And then also, man, um, had an opportunity to help set up a fundraiser event um where you know we it was like this golf at the at this golf club and um you had all your your big wigs come out and play golf for the sake of you know child abuse and neglect and so i i thought that was that was cool too so i got to see that got to help run that um you know and just kind of see how nonprofit worked in that aspect and um and it was it was cool man and i at the time i was working on doing at the at the, before it, it kind of dissolved because um that was one of my projects i helped do some grant writing as well for different localities and, and get grant funds to help you know make sure that you know bills are paid at the you know, non-profit and so that was a cool experience man and then like so i was there from like august to to December, and then, like, the next thing I know, man, I wake up, I'm looking forward to the next semester, I was added, like, added on, working on this, um, this, this, this basketball fundraiser to, you know, I reached out some referees, some people that I knew that was hooping, and I was like, man, you know, we're gonna, you know, do something pretty cool with this, and then they ended up 
shutting down. So they shut down, right? And um, I was like, without an internship for a couple weeks, and I was like, oh, snap, like, man, this is, this ain't going to work, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? So in the same building um, was another program that worked with at-risk youth that was um, an after-school program, and it was pretty much based in conflict resolution. And I'd always seen them go out. I'd be in the, in the office, like, typing up stuff, just sitting there or whatever. And then um, I would look across the hallway, and they was always going out, you know, doing crazy, you know, doing fun stuff and stuff like that. And I was like, dang, I wonder what they do. This is where I also met the infamous Tony Logan. Shout out to Tony Logan. Hopefully we can get him on the podcast um, here soon. But, um, you know, I just always see them like that. So what happened was when I got transitioned out of that, when they closed down, first nonprofit I went to this this program this program was different they worked with at-risk youth not they, they didn't even work with at-risk youth it was just like an after-school program you know I mean of course they had some stuff that they was working with maybe they were like you know getting in trouble in class a lot not you know the grades were failing like they was just like they needed some more extra assistance and guidance it was a cool program um and I, I was very um I learned so much from the facilitator of this program and She's not even a social worker, but she's like more of a conflict resolution expert. And I, I won't I won't say her name on here today. Um, but she she just I want her to know that she really helped me as a social worker. And and when I say that, she helped me she gave me more clinical skills in regards to like conflict resolution, but in all this in regards to like helping people. She never I never seen her get mad, I never seen her get flustered, I never seen her um never know not what to say or to figure out around about to get around or get around a conversation or get around a barrier. She was always able to figure it out. And it was always optimistic about how it was going to get done. We were going to figure out how we were going to get it done. And um yeah man, that that taught me so much from a from a social worker perspective. And she's not even a social worker. So um you know, I I forgot the name of the the program that they called it, but either way, man, it was it was after school. We would meet them in the cafeteria. We would help them with their homework. They had snacks, and then we would break out into sessions and then go and um you know work on conflict resolution type skills, and you know and and do different activities with the kids. These were these were middle school kids. And so I'm coming from, you know, inpatient at Snow, uh, not Snow, but, you know, inpatient psychiatric. And um, before all this, so I'm, I'm a little bit more rough around the edges. So that's why I say, like, she helped me refine that. You feel what I'm saying? To make me a better social worker. Because, one, I got out of my shell. And then, two, to use those different skills in a, in a more refined manner, a more, like... Uh, not as brash manner when it comes to working in psych inpatient. And um, I enjoyed that time, man. Um, we did a lot of cool activities. We didn't like, you know, went out and found this like secret, like not secret place, but like a place that was like set off in, in, the, in the area that I never knew about. They had like a little, I don't know, like a pond, but like a, just a, I forgot the name of it, but it was in a place where I've never thought it would be. And I'm just sitting in the water. I'm like, man, what in the world? And then at the bottom of it, like a little lake. Yeah, it's like a little lake. And at the bottom of it, it was, it's a bus at the bottom of the lake. I was like, where, where did we know where we found that at? <laughs> you know, and it took trips to like um, 
places to snowboard. I couldn't make that one trip, man, you know, and, and inner tube and stuff like that. It was just very, very, like, freeing. It wasn't, you know, it was structured, but, you know, it was like we're anti-structure, anti-system. We're just going to make sure we get, make sure these kids are, are getting the things that they need and they're taken care of. And then, like, towards the end, maybe, like, every quarterly or every end of the semester, um, they would have these um, sort of uh, talent kind of get-together pizza nights where they bring the parents in, and then the parents would get to see, you know, what they were, um, the kids were doing, different talents they can do, stuff like that, and, and they could participate as well. And it was just a very, very roundabout, great program man i was very i was very excited about that program i really enjoyed that program um i tried to get it come down to my hometown and my in my public schools down where i'm at but that didn't work out too well because they had so many programs in the school um went to a big uh, anti not anti but a conflict resolution um conference down in richmond as a result of that you know it's got to see some of the kids do a workshop on it like and what's cool about it, too, is that, you know, the kids that come through it, when they matriculate through uh, middle school, going through high school, then they, you know, they come back and they, like, kind of come become mentors in the program. And so they, they'll come over at the high school and help with the kids and stuff like that, um, the, the, newer, the newer kids, the younger kids. And, you know, and it's like almost like a train-and-trainer type thing. And then they facilitate these different, um, different classes with these kids and facilitate these different um, – these 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 groups at this conflict resolution um programs so that was cool to watch it was amazing man i, I just i just love that program i was i really enjoyed that that actual um internship as a result of that and so when i ended up matter of fact i enjoyed it so much i stayed there a month after you know before i was i needed to i think our hours ended in in may and I ended up staying through June, mid-June, you know what I'm saying, helping out and doing stuff and, you know, just working with them, man, because I was really, you know, just really so excited about the program and did more work with it afterwards, you know, just trying to trying to help out as much as I can because I really enjoyed my time there. So summertime comes, um, going into my last year of the social work program, and, you know, in this time period, man, I was – I found a job – I was working, and what happened was, here's the thing. I had to put areas to the place. If you know Virginia, I was working out in Tappahannock doing TDT, and I, I didn't put that on the social work career path because I was like, it's kind of brief. TDT counseling at a high school, therapeutic day treatment, pretty much you know, kind of working with kids in the high school setting, working on different mental health skills, whatever they may have it. So... That's where I got introduced to, like, Medicaid and, you know, soap notes and how to write for Medicaid in order to bill and stuff like that. So what happened was I was working in Tappahannock and on a school schedule about 7 to 3 and worked out a program, a part where I could, um, you know, and then my that program that I was at that got transitioned to was out in King George. So, if you know anything about Tappahannock, King George, and Virginia, how you can get places, you can you can take Tappahannock straight out and out and run through King George and come up in King George and come on back home. So, I would, you know, drive, to, and then I had classes all, you know, it was a straight shot up the road once I got out of class, once I got out of um, 
all the work. I was straight shot to I get off work at like two, hit the highway, two thirty, hit the highway, straight up ninety five to go to George Mason in Fairfax, you know, or get off work two thirty, three thirty, boom, hit the um, cause the after school program is only like four to six, four to seven, something like that. So hit the jump, hit the um, hit the hit the street, take it on out, hit the King George, and you know, beep out there, be a King George, come on back home. So I had that set up. So my thought was, I'm gonna work at the school setting. If I only got to do 20 hours a week, that means I can probably do evening stuff with another nonprofit program. I really wanted to work with NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Illness. George Mason was dragging their feet with my internship and some stuff that happened, and I didn't know. I had brokered the internship interview already with NAMI in order to do. I had did the interview with NAMI, and it looked promising, right? Really want to work with them. This was, at this point, it was NAMI in Richmond. And the only reason I did Richmond, because now, come to think of it, I would have probably did Fredericksburg uh, had I known that most of these places, or I would have did Mental Health America Fredericksburg and would have been set. But, um, you know, I didn't know that these national nonprofits that are that big had local entities in certain places in the states. I didn't know that. So, but I knew Richmond was one. I felt as though I could work in Tappahannock, get off, go straight to Richmond, do my time internship, you know, and come on back and do the same thing. It was a perfect setup, perfect setup for me. And, um, which, Realistically, probably wasn't because I was going backwards, going to Fairfax to tap a headache to Fairfax to Fairfax to tap a headache. It's rich, yeah. But, um, man, why I didn't think of Mental Health America Fredericksburg? I should have just went there because now I'm working with them. But, anyways, um, yeah, so I did that, man. I submitted everything I need to submit to my, on my side to George Mason. This goes into like the stuff with the school systems of these these departments like you got to make sure you stay on top of everybody because you can lose out of opportunity places you want to go. They give you surveys to tell to, and you pick out different places that they're contracted with, but you can sometimes like, you know, you know, request a certain place. I was requesting a certain place because I really wanted to do something in mental health. And I also wanted to do something that was closer to home because it's kind of depending on the college, they have contracts with different agencies and places to do internships but it's more so kind of um, closer to where they're at. You feel what I'm saying? I didn't want to go to D.C. and North Virginia to do an internship because I just didn't feel like, you know, going that far. Thinking ahead, I probably should have did that. It should have took what they were giving me in, in regards and probably would have gotten to the, the macro or the policy space that I really wanted to get into because that's really all I wanted to get into was the macro policy space. So I probably shot myself in the foot a couple times, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it. So either way, the NAMI thing didn't work out. Like, and it looked bad on me because it looked as though I, I told I sent my stuff to George Mason. They were supposed to get back with NAMI. Didn't happen. NAMI said, Oh, we went with somebody else. And it was like a just a as if I, I didn't respond back. And it was kind of bad on my end. So I was like, oh man. So NAMI Richmond, y'all listening. My bad. I didn't mean to. But um so it's about August or September. And September, that's like September, and I don't have an internship. You know, you start your internship like mid, late August, the same kind of week as, you know, with, you know, your classes. And I got the full caseload. I'm a little stressing right now because you got to get these certain hours in. Third third year for us, 
20 hours a week. So you got 15 hours a week credit hours for classes and 20 hours a week for um, your internship. I don't know if that's changing that, but that's how many hours I had to do. 16 hours the, the second year a week, 20 hours a week the third year. So I started late. And I was, like, kind of scared. Like, if I, if I didn't get my hours, I didn't know what was going to happen. So, ended up getting put on with um, area agency on aging up in Northern Virginia somewhere. I'm not going to say which one. But, um, and I was just different. It was just different vibe, man. It was a different vibe. Like, I'm really, like, I went from, like, you know, Fredericksburg, kind of townish, rural to, like, big buildings, 10 different departments, you know what I'm saying, in a building. And, um... It, it was it was a different culture shock. Now, here's where the macro policy comes into place. They put me on area agency with aging. I had no interest in the older adult population. I really didn't. I, but I love older adults. I love people, like the older old folks. Man, that's, my, that's my people. But I had no interest in it. And I was really upset because I was like, this is not what I wanted. You said we could pick and choose what we wanted. And we should do stuff that interests us from a, you know, in regards to internship. I wanted to get into macro mental. I wanted to get into macro internships. I wanted to get into stuff that related to mental health. And they was like, well, you know, I talked to them when I got there to interview. I was like, well, I'm really interested in mental health. Do y'all do anything around that? And the, the, the executive director, she was just like, you know, we got some couple things that we can get done for you to to tap into that if you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because, you know, it just kind of all works together. So I was like, okay, cool. So um, the executive director, man, she was cool, man. Um, older white lady, social worker, MSW. She didn't have a license, but she was like the director of this, this um, area, agency on aging. And she was like, she was it, man. She was it. Like, she, she really taught, she also taught me a lot in regards to just policy, you know what I'm saying? And moving through different um, local governments, state government type stuff, man. So I thought that was cool. Um, And so I always remember when I got there, man, it was so calm. It was so, like, just tranquil, like, just really peaceful when I got there. And, um... I did. I was like, I'm so used to chaos, <laughs> so I didn't know what was happening. But it was cool, man. And we, you know, what I got to do there, I got to see. Like I said, I was under the executive director for the whole entire time, and she exposed me to a lot of policy macro type work. Um, and she had all these awards, and she was, you know, she'd been in the game for a minute in social work field, and um, she was just like very just upbeat, you know type of woman man and i was just like wow like this is this is a different type of social work that I've, i haven't seen i never knew you can get to this point so of course because you know you get pushed to the clinical aspect but like she's thriving in the macro world she ended up actually towards the end of the internship going to be a di- the director of social services in another place um because they needed her that that's that's how you know solid she was but i got to understand how local government and state-funded entities are intertwined. And um, at the time, what was big at that moment was um, the No Wrong Door um, task. I was not task, but No Wrong Door policy they was trying to figure out. And I was really big on the PACE PACE model, which was, um, I can't remember the acronyms for it. It was PACE, P-A-C-E. 
but it was the idea that you would have these hospitals or clinics that had was a one-stop shop for older adults because there was issues with older adults getting to their different appointments. They had a heart appointment, had a medical medical appointment, had maybe seen a a therapist or psychiatrist, you know, stuff like that. And they had to go to all these different places. If you know the thing about Medicaid, you know, Medicaid has transportation, but it's difficult. You got to schedule that all out and it has to be scheduled out within like a five to seven day window, you know? And so this pace model was, was cool because you would get to, one stop shop. You go in there, and it's the thought that you will see your PCP, um, any type of specialty doctors in the same place, um, any type of your mental health treatment. You know, it'll be in the same place. Everything, even I think medications. Um, and so I haven't followed that in a long time, but I knew there was some stuff coming down the pike from it. So I was really involved in that. I, I got to see different um, different meetings at the local level, um, and how how to maneuver those spaces. People ask me, how do I am so comfortable going to like local city council meetings or local board of supervisor meetings and, you know, understanding how the things flow. Uh, I still don't know everything, but like understanding how things flow, understand that you can make public comments, um, and certain, certain entities. I got that from that internship and, and sitting on an executive director and sitting in an actual, um, supervisor's meeting. That was like one of the, one of the things she exposed me to, um, I was also able to do that from one of my black professors there as well, where she wanted us to go to a state, a state, um, kind of hearing. Um, and then also she took us to a federal hearing as well. We had to go to a federal hearing and sit in on that as well. So that was exposure too, of understanding how those things work. I got exposed to that in grad school. And, um, and so at this at AG on agency on aging, like you said, I, I was able to sit on different meetings. Like they had different governing bodies that supported what they did, and a lot of them were citizen led, and almost like citizen review boards, but they called them different things. And you know, one that was major was was pretty much a kind of a checks and balances for the agency as far as what they were doing what they needed to do, what was going on in the community, what was happening, what, you know, what needed to happen. And, um, you know, grievances, things like that, you know, budget, you know, and stuff like that. And I was, and then they had another one that was statewide that brought in all the area agencies on agents to, to, you know, combat that. And I was just like, wow, you know, and that was kind of way before what we're seeing now with like citizen review boards and advisory councils that are kind of a taboo topic for some people. But, you know, at this point in time, they had that. Um, back in like 14 to 15. And so then I got to see like the senior centers and the senior centers, um, had those, those kind of citizens led committees that make sure that, that everything was getting checked out and balanced and stuff like that. And making sure that things was running smoothly and properly. She attended that. The executive director attended all of these different things. She was in every single piece of those meetings, and then I was right there with her as well, just soaking all the energy up and just understanding what's happening, how things are moving. One of the coolest things I did do was I helped deliver meals on wheels. And that was cool. That was a great experience to know that I was going, delivering food to older adults who who needed it. That was That was a very gratifying experience to do that. 
and um, just talking with the guy who does it and his, you know, his passion for delivering these meals and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just a great time, a great opportunity to do that, man. And so, um, you know, and, and so that was cool. And then, like, so the second part of it, like, that, so that was, like, first semester, first uh, fall semester of the actual internship. And so another thing went into the second semester last year of it where I did this project for the kind of like the division chair whatever he may be i forgot his name of different areas agencies on aging in the state and understanding how each one does their services differently let me back up agency the area agencies on agents they they do like your mids on will stuff you got your your like kind of senior center type stuff for older adults they also they do like you know any type of APS reports, and then also like um, for like long term care services that needed maybe in the house, they come out and do that assessment. I was able to sit with one of the social workers who did the assessments in the house, and um, see how she does an actual assessment um, to assess older adults to see what type of services they may need. Maybe personal services, somebody to help them cook, somebody to help them take the medications, help them clean up. Help them do daily tasks. Looking at the um, the uh, independent what is it the uh, activities of daily living. Looking at ADLs and then I ADLs, which ones they can do independently. Assessing all of that, and so getting to see that up front and understanding how that works. And I'm looking at from social work from multiple different viewpoints, from a macro, you know, executive director to uh, uh, ombudsman. You know, to, uh, you know, just looking at how social work interacts and moves in these different places and these different positions. And um, so that switch, man, and um, I went to, I ended up going, the second half of this, going to a, um, an ALF in Northern Virginia. And this ALF was a mix between a ALF, a nursing home, ALF is a assisted living facility, a nursing home, and something else. It was probably like one of the major, biggest, you know, entities on this side that did all of that. And they had one component, too, that had like where you had like the mental health and stuff like that, mental illness, and for older adults. And uh, worked out of there for a while. Instead of in the in the office, maybe I was in the office with the area agent on agent maybe once twice a week, and here I was there like twice a week, and that was an interesting position because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know what I was doing. I tried my best to do it, uh, but you know the entity it was evolving research around an auxiliary block grant and what would happen if that was removed for their residents. So, if I'm thinking, remembering back, just bear with me. Um, apparently, for like the assisted living facilities and stuff like that, there is a certain funds that come from Medicare or Medicaid to pay for that. Then there's block grants in there that pay for that as well. 
And I can't remember that come from localities or state. But if 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 without that grant, some people might not be able to afford their stays. Let's put it like that. And so I was researching what other forms of payment would that even would pick up that if that block grant goes away. And I had a terrible time finding that. I mean, I understood some of the waivers because some of the waivers pay for this type of stuff too. If you know anything about Medicaid waivers, but the language, it was dense. It was very dense. And that was some real policy types of work. And I, I don't even know if I even <laughs> did what I was supposed to be doing at the end, but I, I felt accomplished somewhat because I had to put a presentation together. I had to put a presentation together to compare and contrast all different area agencies on agents um, across the um, state. You know, I did that and gave it to the, the chief at that time who was ahead of that. I also did something cool on Fridays. They wanted me to send out different graphics um, on aging, like, you know, some small type of stuff to send out to the agency with quotes on it, some data on it um, to send out, and they would send it out agency-wide. And so that was cool. I did that on Fridays, um, did that from home. And then, um, yeah, so I did get a chance as well to sit in on some meetings I only remember this group name, but I sat in on some meetings with a group that worked with exclusively with those who have mental illness um, and were older adults and see how they they work with different individuals and entities in that aspect. And that was cool as well. I forgot the name of that program, but it was it was very it was run very well. Um, So, yeah, that was that was the area agency on aging that exposed me to so much. Um, from a macro side and policy side and just understanding how those things move and matriculate um, in the state of Virginia and understanding like the different entities and different organizations, style setups, who got services, who got abundance of services, who don't, who's a nonprofit and who's a for-profit, who has a higher budget in this locality than this locality and um yeah that that was a that gave me some some real good insight into macro social work and kind of has guided the way I move in regards to that 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 um discipline since um doing that internship and so I ended up finishing my internship there man it was a great experience like I said at the end towards the end my executive director that I was under she ended up transitioning to social services and so um that was that was um, a little blow, but it, it still was beneficial. And so I just had all these different entities and people in place that were helping me grow as a social worker um, in my internship time. So with my recommendation of that, you know, when you're doing these internships, you know, definitely do try to pick places that you want to be in, of course. But, um, you know, if not, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to be in those spaces, you know what I'm saying? Soak up all the information because what you probably will realize is that a lot of that stuff that you said you didn't want to do or that place you didn't want to be in is going to give you the skills and tools that you need today as a social worker. Um, And they're going to be intangible skills that are going to be able to put you above the rest or just not even put you above the rest, but just put you, bring your clinical skills or your social work skills to a new level because you have that experience. I'm thankful for that experience and in, in, in aging. And I know how I felt when I was going into it, knowing that I didn't want to do it. 
Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't trade that experience because it has helped grow me as a social worker and exposed me to a lot of different things that I utilize today as, you know, from a community organizing standpoint, from meeting with elected officials to meeting with different programs and entities and to set up different committees and groups, whether it be, you know, social justice issues or mental health policy issues, you know, and just, just grabbing, you know, just maneuvering through that space. And I wouldn't have that, that experience if I didn't do that in my last internship um, in grad school, which was in aging, but it gave me those different tools. Right. And then, you know, prior to that with working with child abuse and neglect and then the at risk program, you know, those different skill sets, um, nonprofit work, looking at how, you know, a budget works, looks at, you know, looking at how the right grants to, to do grassroots organizing, grassroots programs, all of that stuff that I did has led to the Goodfellas project led to, you know, my stop the violence movement that I created a couple of years ago that turned into UIE, which is unified, illuminating the power working with elected officials, working with school systems, superintendents, working with law enforcement, um, understanding how to communicate with those leaders um, who, who make the decisions in our, you know, in our policy and make decisions and make policies in our local area or in our state area, understanding how to contact different state officials, federal officials, have those conversations, have that dialogue. All of that in my internship created the macro social worker that I wanted to be. Although I felt as though I needed to go here, I needed to go there. And this experience that I needed to be the macro social worker that I thought I was going to be. But those experiences that I had and those different internships shaped me to be the macro social worker that I wanted to be. And um, so don't take it for granted, man. Don't take those don't take those actual experiences for granted. Soak it up. Utilize as much as possible. Ask as many questions. Dive head first into those those actual internships, man. And, and you'll be surprised at how much you learn, how much you gain and how much you utilize once you finish your grad school degree. So. That's my spill, man, on my, um, the internships that, you know, helped me as a social worker, man. Hey, listen, you got any questions or comments, hit me up. Let me know any type of thoughts about like, the grad school experience, what things you need to do. Um, just need somebody to talk to. Just need somebody, a recommendation. Maybe you need some insight on some stuff and you're a student. Let me know. Or if you're a social worker that's still, like, in a certain field, certain position right now that you're stuck, you feel stagnant, you want to jump out here and do something else you want to make that leap but you don't know how or know what that looks like for yourself hit me up let me know again make sure you like share and subscribe to the podcast we're on apple Podcasts, spotify anchor iHeartRadio, and all your digital streaming platforms everybody relax leave some comments keep rating keep pushing this podcast we're trying to push this podcast to the top mental health podcast on apple podcast playlist um, there's no black men on there, so we need to put them put it on there. Shout out to um, you know, uh, James Bell for Equity Matters podcast. Shout out to Chris, um, and Hip Hop Social Work podcast. Shout out to my guy Josh and the Melanated Social Work podcast. Shout out to Bass, um, with the Social Work Rants podcast. All men of color, all black folks. Yo, put the black men on the top health and wellness podcast list. I need y'all to push, push, push. Make that thing go viral, man, because we need more 
more men of color on those top lists, especially some black folks. You know what I'm saying? Um, shout out to Dr. Dr. Joy Therapy for Black Girls. She's already on there. You know what I'm saying? So um, we trying to be up there with her. But um, listen, man, y'all take care, man. Y'all be easy. Let me know if y'all need anything, and I'll see y'all soon.